join the hosts of Brick City Blockade in the Cantina for an open discussion of a galaxy far, far away. Usually you start by maybe welcoming people to the podcast. I do, but I usually like to do that after we blabble on for a little bit. Babbling on about sure a terrible... This, this yeah. is a terrible intro. This is a terrible intro that'll probably make it in there. Surefire ways to lose listeners. I bet you we just Cantina lost five podcast. listeners. Well, geez. What do we have left after that? <laughs> Negative five. <laughs> All right. Anyways, so why don't we just get right to it, Jim? Episode three of the Cantina. I, I think we've done more of these in a shorter period of time than we originally anticipated. Yeah, probably less than one. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so we're going to start out. We got a great show. Well, at least I think we're going to have a great show this week. Switching things up. We've been totally inconsistent through three shows. So why don't we just keep that up? It's like free form Friday every day when it's the cantina. <laughs> no agenda. So yeah, we've got, uh, hopefully we got the audio fixed because last week and our last episode out, I, I goofed big time. We did a couple test runs, everything looked like it was good. And then it sounded like you were C-3PO on Helium. I still think that it was um, you sabotaging my prequel hate in the last episode. Yeah. Oh, and by the way, if you're still listening, thank you, because uh, I was almost sure we were going to lose all five of our listeners after Jim's take on, on the prequels there. There but was one person on, on Twitter that, that was a little upset at my treatment of attack of the clones yeah amy wishman who's a great follow by the way on on twitter i love that she that's probably about two or three times that she's really given it to you so thanks amy we really appreciate that here at the cantina (laughs) so anyway so truth is tough episode three this is brian across from my good friend jim like i said hopefully got the audio fixed this time got a couple new additions to the cantina studios jim Disappointed that you forgot Max Rebo this time. I know. I picked up a classic 1980s Max Rebo figure. And in, in strangely enough, over at Finder Seekers in Goffstown, New Hampshire, I he had just landed a big uh, cache of Star Wars vintage toys. And um, I was purchasing a couple of things. And I said, you know, one of my favorite things that I had when I was younger was a, a Max Rebo. And he was like... That's actually my favorite figure. I've got about 70 of those or some ridiculous number that he threw out there. And I said, do you have uh, do you have any available? And he goes out, oh, he goes into the back and he brings it out. And I picked one up and I, I meant to bring it as uh, our mascot and uh, completely spaced it. Ah, that's all right. Well, Robin Vote uh, took care of us after we all got together for the New Hampshire Fisher Cats Star Wars night uh, about a week ago, just a little over a week ago. Where we were all at the stadium, it was great to have the whole podcast crew there. We did some live broadcast. Shenanigans ensued. It was great to see uh, fellow New Hampshire Star Wars podcaster Alan Voivod there of the Star Wars Seven by Seven. So it was great to meet him, and uh, you know, he had his had his kids there. We all had our families there, Jim, and uh, it was a good time. I was I will say before we get started, I was a little disappointed we didn't see the five hundred first of the Rebel Legion there. Uh, they had a couple Fisher Cats employees that were dressed up and uh, very, the force very was dis- not The force was not strong with them. Not most no, impressive no, at all. No, that was... Um, <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, anyways, Robin uh, picked us up a another member of Max Rebo's band, and I'm not even going to pretend to pronounce his name. Jim, you want to take a shot? I'm going to go with Barquin DM. Oh, that's probably better than I would do, so... Anyways, he's still in the box. The box is in rough shape. Uh, I'll probably take it out of the box here at some point. But you know what? It's good to uh, get a little bit of that Jabba the Hutt's Palace theme going on here. And I guess to a certain extent, I guess you could say it's a little bit from the cantina. But, uh, you know, what is the cantina? Who knows? I don't know. Do you know? There's more than one cantina. you know, And I'm <laughs> sure there were plenty of cantina bands around and... If you ever seen Robot Chicken, Max Rebo never misses a gig, and um, you know there's a lot of stories behind there. I don't think they all stayed on Tatooine, so it's it's a good mesh. Well, Jim, you mentioned Finder Seeker in, in Goffstown, New Hampshire, and uh, I've been on a little kick lately looking for Luke Skywalker figures, and uh, was able to find uh, quite a few uh, Power of the Force two figures. So I figured while we're on air here, we'll just crack some of these open. And uh, right now I've got uh, in my hand. Uh, Luke Skywalker in his 
uh, throne room outfit here. And you were just mentioning before we went on the air, you didn't even end up finding this. So no. I'm probably going to have to make sure that you don't uh, try to weasel your way out of here. With might, it. might pocket that at some point. Yeah. So this was uh, 1996 by Kenner uh, with Hasbro. Uh, you know, they're still making those under that brand. So what do you got, Jim? I have a Luke Skywalker and Dagobah Fatigues. Um, which is odd because I, I have this, uh, but the version I had uh, came with uh, Yoda in the backpack. I oh, just nice. noticed that the picture has Yoda in the backpack, but this one does not. If I, I mean, I that's probably why it was four dollars on mint on card, or not really mint on card. <laughs> it's in pretty rough shape. At yeah, least I don't know if that's quite mint, but uh, all right, why don't you go for it there? And this is some riveting podcast here. Sound effects added for uh, oh, almost just uh, took his blaster and uh, might have had to go find a second one on the on the second in market. That might have been the most exciting five seconds yeah. of any podcast. Yeah, in history. so he's got his uh, you know the Yevon Four medal there, blaster, no lightsaber. Uh, ooh, that's actually six points of all articulation. Yeah, I'll edit that one out. Articulation, the waist actually. Not bad, you know, for five bucks. Well, let's crack into this $4 Dagobah, Luke. According to the uh, description, it's Luke Skywalker and Dagobah fatigues with lightsaber and blaster pistol. Because blaster pistol deserves an exclamation point. It does. Apparently. <laughs> oh, look at that yellowing on that plastic. Oh, man. <laughs> I don't think that it's supposed is, to. I, don't I think, think I don't. I'm not sure plastic is supposed to be that brittle. It's disintegrating. Wow. Um, that's probably the easiest unboxing that you could do. But, oh, you, almost missed the lightsaber in there. Yeah. The. Uh, um. You know, this is kind of odd ah. too, and uh, I'm gonna kind of. I made a comment about. Uh, Luke Skywalker in Jabba's palace on our Facebook thread earlier today where I completely spaced the fact that he grabs a gun from one of the guards uh, using the force before he, as you corrected me, which was very embarrassing. Um, <laughs> but, you know, something odd about this Dagobah Luke figure is uh, his lightsaber's blue. Uh, that lightsaber was gone, was it not? Uh, he should have a green lightsaber if he's Dagobah Luke. Should he not? Jim, Jim, Jim. Should he not? Empire Strikes Back. Oh, he does go to... Oh, man. I am just not on my game today. I'm really not. I... This is so embarrassing. If you pay, if you pay a nominal fee, I'll actually cut this part so out. I want you so bad to edit that out. It's just... I should just go home. You can do the rest on your own. You got any more <laughs> things you can unbox? Because that will just keep everybody happy, I'm sure. Well, I did pick up also uh, yesterday at Krypton Comics in Exeter, New Hampshire. I did pick up a... Jedi Luke, Power of the Force 2, and, and you had a kind of an interesting story before we started recording, too, about, I guess back when the special editions came out, there was a special movie edition you could get, and yep. um, you don't have one of those, Jim. I don't. I was, um, a, a bunch of my friends and I were planning on going to see that, um, and it happened to be a very snowy evening in New Hampshire. And um, I was seeing a girl at the time who uh, wasn't that crazy about driving in the snow, but I was a big Star Wars fan, fan back then, always have been, and wanted to go, so convinced her to go out, and I'm driving, and um, I'm going down a hill, and the car hits some ice, and uh, very slowly, it's not like we're going fast, turns sideways, and that was enough for her to, you know, grab the handles on the side of the car and <laughs> kind of say, I think I'm done with going to see this stupid movie probably a little bit more colorful language than that um and so i i turned around and, and made it back home since we hadn't gone that far when that happened um and then afterwards found out my friends all got the the nice exclusive uh jedi luke from return of the jedi action figures and i didn't get one and um i was kind of talking about how sad it is that i'm 37 years old and i still vividly remember this and still have a little bit of disappointment over it and i'm i'm 100% aware aware of how sad that is and you know you could pick up one of those for like 10 bucks on amazon you know it's that, not right? the same though no, cuz like i said the the bad part was is you know it's not somebody that you know i was with for very long and she really wasn't worth it to be honest with you i would have <laughs> rather had 
had the action figure at, at, when all was said and done. I mean, you wouldn't have known then, but... <laughs> oh, if we all had a DeLorean, Jim. <sighs> yeah. We'd probably be a lot richer because we'd go buy a lot of toys. Yeah, I don't think that would be my first no. stop would be for to get the Jedi Luke. I mean, it's not a major... <laughs> Point of disappointment in my life. It's you, enough to remember. But. Yeah, you seem to have made it well so far here. So I've done all right. Yeah. So all right. So uh, let's. Uh, well, so our main topic for today, like I said, we we're totally inconsistent here on the Cantina. We did want to talk about. We're big on theories here at the Brick City Blockade Podcast Network, and uh, you know, I think one of the biggest theories we'll end up talking about after we get to hear from our good friend Max Rebo. But uh, so after that, we'll we'll get into our theory talk, and I'm sure we're going to end up talking about a whole hell of a lot more after that. But uh, let's uh, let's go right over to our good friend Max Rebo. Presenting Max Rebo's greatest hits, including "Why Do I Look Like an Elephant." So Jim started it last week. We wanted to pick out a song from the Star Wars universe and just kind of riff on that a little bit. I think. You know, you, you you chastised me a little bit for defending the prequels with, you know, going with John Williams and all, but... Not a cop-out Not all. a cop-out. No, no, no. That's all right. We'll still have that debate another time. But as our as our friend Max Rebo said, you know, what's the greatest hits? And uh, I don't know, did you did you talk first? I talk first? <laughs> I think you got this one first this time. All right, so kind of dovetails a little bit into what our uh, main topic today is going to be, but I did, we kind of, I guess we danced around it a little bit last time out, was talking about Ray's theme, and and by far it's probably one of my favorite themes going right now in the Star Wars universe. It's relatively new, obviously with The Force Awakens coming out at the end of 2015. We did have Rogue One uh, last, last holiday season. I did, actually our first time doing this, I did pick a song by... Michael Giacchino with uh, Hope. Well, this one with with Ray's theme. I just I, I think the first time I heard it, actually, to be honest, Jim, like the first time I heard the Force Awakens soundtrack, I didn't know what to think about it because I I think overall I think I was a little underwhelmed by it, but each subsequent listening of it, I just became. It's definitely by far probably one of my favorite soundtracks that they've done, and. I don't know why at first. I guess I was just looking for that one big theme that's like, you know, even, you know, in recent memory, it was the prequels and they all had, at least for better or worse, you know, one main theme that you walked away and you're like, yeah, that's that's the theme. That's what they interwove through a lot of the different uh, things in each movie. But by far, it's it's Ray's theme and it's just it's it's uplifting. I every time I hear it, I just I'm in a better mood. You know, it, it starts out really light and eventually kind of you know, meets up to a, you know, crescendo. I don't know, Jim, what do you, what do you think? Well, the way you were explaining it, uh, it kind of makes me feel the force awakens as a whole. It was reintroducing people to, um, the movies, uh, another generation. We've talked about that in previous podcasts. Um, but it's also laying the groundwork for the new trilogy. And I think that's what the soundtrack does as well. There were a lot of new characters introduced in this, whereas the prequels, we had new characters, but we also had younger versions of characters we already knew or mm-hmm. characters we were already aware of. This was kind of laying the groundwork and giving us different themes for different new characters. Um, and I actually think what you were saying about maybe not being in awe as much the first time you listen to it, if that's the right way to put it, yeah. is... I think because of that groundwork that it lays, I think there's a little bit more nuance to some of these. And Ray's theme is the the perfect example. There's a lot going on. Yeah. And, so I found an I you know obviously anytime you're gonna you know my my prep work usually is to go to the Google machine and and type in exactly what I'm looking for. And I did find a good article that uh, somebody had written. Actually, it looks like probably a couple days after uh, the Force Awakens had been out. But this. Uh, I don't know if he's necessarily a composer or just, you know, loves studying music, but this guy, Aaron Kirkowitz.com at Kirk, Aaron Kirkowitz.com kind of broke the, broke the theme down into, you know, what were the instruments we heard? I'm not a musician, Jim. I know you used to be, you kind of dabble a little bit. Um, so I'm not even going to pretend to be an expert on this, but you know, he says you, you hear the flute, the Celesta, you have violins, horns, strings, trumpets. I mean, and you know, I think that's, you know, great. And then he actually broke it down into there's like five different sections of the song to, 
you know, and this is his term, not mine. You don't do, don't shoot the messenger, but you know, the tiptoe motive kind of at the beginning where it's kind of just, you know, building up the, you know, who is, who is Ray? You know, you see her in the star destroyer there. You're, you're instantly intrigued. Then it goes to the chime motive and then the main melody. And then there's kind of what he's referring to kind of as a, a regal motive, which motif sorry i'm mispronouncing that you could have corrected me a couple minutes ago jim but then it comes back to the melody again but it's kind of a a counter version of it and it really it just kind of puts a slight twist on it kind of like right before the song ends but and also i have a clip here for uh for what john williams said about ray and ray's theme that happened to be on the force awakens uh extra so we'll, we'll play that right here Ray, for me, was particularly difficult. It's a kind of an adventure theme in a way. It's feminine, I think, but strong in the way that she is. This is a girl who's been a scavenger, she's been alone, she's without her parents. I felt a lot of empathy for this poor creature who's at once brilliant and can defend herself with that stick and speak all these weird languages. But you want to touch something in her that's vulnerable and that recognizes her need. This feeling that she's a creature who's above the earth and sails and flies. So, I mean, you can't really say it any better than, you know, the maestro right there. And it's funny, though, the way he explained that. I don't remember listening to that portion of the extras. And if I did, it was, you know, pretty much close to two years ago now, right? Or yeah. a year and a half. And um, so I, I may have just forgotten uh, but on the way over here, I was listening to Ray's theme uh, and it, just knowing that you were going to want to talk about it. And the, the word that kind of came to mind as I was listening to it is independence. It kind of talks about and I think John Williams kind of gets to that, like who she is. And she's very complex and trying to have that be portrayed through the through her theme. Um, and I do just get the feeling that she's very independent, um, very self-sufficient. And the thing that surprised me after I listened to it a few times, um, knowing that I was going to talk about it, was it, you really don't get a sense of loneliness until the very end. Yeah. When the theme just slows down a little bit and kind of takes on a, a completely different direction. And I, I kind of found that interesting because you would think in her situation that would come out a lot sooner. And that speaks to uh, just how strong and independent of a person she is. Yeah, and I think even, you know, you know, John Williams had even said, too, it's kind of got a like that sense of adventure versus, you know, complete dread and loneliness. And I mm-hmm. think that I... I mean, I've got started a, a focus collection behind me with just Ray and, you know, not to spoil anything, but we will be talking about Ray uh, very soon here. And I, I think it's just another reason to just really uh, fall for her as a character. I mean, uh, she's definitely the central figure in this trilogy, and uh, I can't wait to see more. No, I, I completely agree. I think they've managed with that that first new movie um, to draw us into... I, I'm, I'm always surprised that Every character in that movie that they introduced, I got hooked on. Yeah. I mean, I mean that, that's it, that's pretty impressive to do in a franchise like this where I just don't feel like they missed. Um, you I mean, know. you go, you, you first meet, you first meet Poe. Oh. Yeah. Um, who I think it's interesting enough that during the reshoots, like, you know, they were going to off him. Yeah. So the fact that he became important enough that they said, yeah, we're going to keep you around and we're going to keep you around for the trilogy. Mm. I think he just resonated more with, I don't know if it was, you know, whether it was their focus groups or, or whatnot, but then you meet Finn, you see the, the um, you know, the interaction between those two characters. I mean, you can just tell that they had that, you know, that, that chemistry as actors and actresses, but man, and then you obviously meet Ray and, you know, one of the parts in when we meet Ray, I think actually is going to help me make a case for, you know, one of our, our theories here. But anyway, so I, I mean, I could just keep going on and on about. Uh, well, and I, I think actually talking about Poe is kind of a good transition into the music that I was going yes. to bring up. And, and you didn't tell me this, by the way. No, I didn't. Um, I just I wanted to make sure I'm like, OK, we're going to be talking about Ray today. I just want to make sure we both didn't pick Ray's theme. I know. And so, um, you know, it, my Ray's theme, uh, Jedi Steps, which I talked about last time. Yep. And uh, but the one that's right up there with them to me is March of the Resistance. Yeah. That, that song just—I mean, again, 
and I think I've mentioned this before, um, one of my all-time favorite scenes of any Star Wars movie are those X-Wings coming in yep. over the lake. Um, and it's they had it in the one of the original previews for the movie. And um, it, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, and I'm not exactly batting a thousand today. I'm definitely <laughs> off my game. Um, but I believe that that is the first time that we saw X-Wing before Rogue One. That's a little different. Uh, but before Rogue One, that's the first time we saw X-Wings actually... Uh, fighting in atmosphere yep. and not in space. I was gonna, I was gonna hope and correct you and say it's not the first time we've seen an X-wing in atmosphere. Because no, we saw them taken off from Yavin and blah blah blah. And Dagobah. Give me a little credit. I know I screwed up twice today, but <laughs> on original trilogy stuff too, you have no idea how much that burns. Um, but yeah, just that talking about the Force Awakens soundtrack and laying the groundwork. I think there is a little bit more nuance to some of the songs and um, they're more intricate. That song, there's there's nothing nuanced about it. It's just completely, every time I hear that music, it paints the picture of those X-Wings coming in and Poe going and just obliterating TIE Fighter after Stormtrooper after TIE Fighter and just all kinds of things, air to ground and um, an awesome scene. Did I talk I, about one of the previous times where I thought like he may actually be potentially force sensitive? I think we we hit on it. Um, I, you were talking about uh, a force tree. Oh, the force tree from yep. the Shattered Empire yep. comic. But anyways, like what he did there, yeah, it was just amazing. And I and I think I also make that that same connection there too. And um, you know, you you just you know you you kind of have the you know we're a family show here. I almost just swore, but you know, you the the first order sitting there and like oh beep yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't have a dump button on this thing, so I'm not even going to try to swear and see if I can actually edit it out afterwards. <laughs> we're pretty low tech. If you heard our audio from last week, you know exactly what we're talking about. So uh, as we're recording, uh, you know, 20 minutes in, hope, hopefully we haven't screwed it up again because I don't want to re-record this. The, the funny thing is, um, you know, my son is not as crazy about listening to instrumental soundtracks in the car. Um, but if I feel like listening to some Star Wars music in the car, all I got to do is start off with the March of the Resistance. He loves that song just as much as I do. And it's just I, I, I think it it does a great job of painting the visuals for the scene. I don't think that scene would be as good without that song. And I don't know if that song would be as good without being able to picture that scene as it, a whole. I want to say it was probably I've heard David Collins, uh, David W. Collins, break that song down before, too. And. It's almost kind of like even this the the tempo of how it starts. It almost kind of gets you like, hey, they're the, they're kind of like the underdog, and you know, it just it kind of builds to that like action, like you kind of said there too. So, hmm. and as we say a lot of the times on the podcast network here, don't take our word for it. Go listen to it yourself. But um, good stuff. So, anyways, what we should do, Jim, is take a quick break. And come back and, and talk about our... We're going to talk about our Ray Theory. The main topic. The main today. topic. Yeah. And, you know, we, we like to promote the fact that, um, you know, that, that the fan community, the Star Wars fan community, it, it's so fun to have theories and we say it all the time. We don't know everything. We don't know anything. We're probably wrong most of the time, but it sure is hell fun to talk about Star Wars. So, we're going to talk about Ray and... Not necessarily Ray in terms of, you know, who are her parents, because we don't really know that, or maybe we do. And, but just in general, just her importance to kind of the new trilogy going forward. And uh, I think this is going to be a pretty lively discussion, Jim. I agree. All right. So we'll take a quick break here and we'll come right back with, uh, I guess this is technically the balance of the force segment this week, Jim, but uh, I have a feeling we're going to do a lot of agreeing. So Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to fit the bill for the balance of the force, so um, I, I just don't see us having a lot of um, point and counterpoint on this well, topic. hopefully we can build on each other's uh, thoughts here, so we'll be right back. All right, Jim, so the main topic of this week's show, as we just talked right before the break, was we're going to talk about Ray. And man, there's just so much to talk about. Where do we, where do we even start? I mean, I I actually do want to talk a little bit about theories of um where why she's on Jakku and where she comes from. All right, you, you teased this to me about a week ago. Yep, and it, I've been dying to hear what you got to say. One of the best things, uh, I mean. Uh, 
if if you are married to someone, if you're lucky enough to be married to someone as I am, who is also a big Star Wars fan, you have. Um, I'm having a podcast conversation pretty much all the time. I mean, at home, it's um, we're both in the same job, so we talk about that, and we both uh, really like the same movies, especially Star Wars. And um, we're talking coming back from someplace in the car, and I mentioned we were gonna we were gonna be talking about this on the next podcast. And the conversation just kind of went down this road, and it was because of something my my wife brought up um, that kind of got me started on this. But I I got to build to it. Okay, so you got to build to it. So we're not gonna, we're not going to lead with that. But, but I'm well. I'll I'll, I'll start with uh, you know I want a couple of things that I noticed from the Force Awakens that are probably pretty obvious, um, but I think they feed right in. And so you just want to alternate back and forth here? Because I've got a list, too. Yeah. All right, let's all do right. this. Like, all right, you fire. You, you talk so first. one of the things that, in The Force Awakens, that always gets me, and, and maybe it's um, it, it could have other meanings, and there could be other reasons that we see this reaction, um, but on approaching the planet with uh, Maz's castle... Um, Taco Donna. Thank you. Um, Ray makes a comment of you know I didn't think this much green existed in the entire galaxy or something to that effect I'm yep. paraphrasing um, and Han Solo's face when she says that is just it, it almost just to me it's worth a thousand words and maybe I'm reading too much into it but it really kind of gives me this feeling that he kind of knows why she was on Jakku Interesting. And there's regret there that she had to be left there. Very interesting. And, and hopefully, if, if you get the chance, go watch that and look at Harrison Ford's face when she says that. And I just feel like it's not just a, uh, you know, some people could just come back and say, well, maybe that's just one of the saddest things he ever heard because he knows Jakku and that mm-hmm. she's been left there and she's never seen something that beautiful. But to me, it just seems like there's more there. There's but he more also regret. didn't even think to go there to find the Millennium Falcon, too. I mentioned that in here. Excellent. I get right. to it. So I'm, yeah, a, I'm trying to think what I want to lead here with because I, I did a whole bunch of things and I'm trying to... I'm just going to cut to the chase. Um, there's a bunch of different theories out there, and I think they've got some some merit. And I think when we, you and I first threw this topic idea out there, uh, Jim, probably about a week and a half, two weeks ago, actually, probably, uh, we may have even been talking about it at, at Star Wars Night with the, the Hampshire Fisher Cats, was I've gone back and forth, changing my mind a couple times on, on who who I think she might be and who her parents might be. And it just hit me in the face like a day or two ago, and it just made perfect sense. And I don't even know why I was overthinking it, but I think she's Ray Skywalker. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You're just, all right. Podcast you're, over. You're just going to go with that. Yeah. And, no. And, and, but all right. So at least by leading with that, I can kind of talk. Up. I do want to mention some of the other theories first, but I will say I'm going to plant the flag in the ground for Ray being Luke's daughter. All right, so let's just let's just, and I'm assuming that's where you're going to. Well, you all have right. to wait to find out. Well, all right, cool. I don't want to poo-poo any of these other ideas if that's what you're. Thinking. Well, do you want? I'll just I'll rattle off the rest of mine. It won't take that long to okay. get there, and then we'll we'll go through that. Um, you know, so some more support for for Han knowing um, who she is is just a few minutes later in in that movie mm-hmm. where uh, Maz says, "Who's the girl?" Yeah. And they cut away, which just implies that Han knows who she is. I picked something up later that Maz said, but now I, I don't why I totally didn't catch that because then that would make perfect sense. So when it gives an appearance a little bit later down in the basement mm-hmm. that she knows, she had to find it out from Han. Yep, she did. All right. So, Carry on. Okay. Um, so... What if, okay? We do what ifs a lot around Han here. was actually <laughs> playing the role of old Ben Kenobi in keeping an eye on Rey on Jakku. Ooh. Okay? So these are things that I have been thinking. I haven't even gotten to the part that my wife brought in, which was perfect. 
Um, so she was, he was watching Ray on Jakku, much like Kenobi was watching over Luke mm-hmm. from a distance. Um, this would help explain why Han and Chewie, something that bothers me, got to the Millennium Falcon so quickly in an outer rim system once that thing takes off from Jakku. I mean, really, how many minutes go by? Not many. Before that thing is docked on Han Solo's freighter and they're getting on that ship. Um, it always bugged me. And it, it, what also always bugged me is that what did we learn from the original trilogy? That man loved that ship more than anything in the world before he got involved with Leia, probably. Mm-hmm. Is that guy going to lose that ship? No. No. That never held up to me. In that whole, we should have checked the outer reaches and all that kind of thing that he says to Chewie, cover up. Complete cover up conspiracy theory. I'm claiming it right now. <laughs> um, it does not hold water. Um, he, that was, that was left there because Han Solo actually, uh, possibly for payment to plot, plot, excuse me, Bunker plot yeah. to kind of make sure that at least she didn't die. Okay. You know, something to the effect One of, of you, you don't have to treat her nicely, but just make sure this woman survives. Okay. And uh, cause he's not going to be on the planet all the time. And, um, what if he was the one that dropped her off there in the Millennium Falcon, but then he left in another ship, the ship we see in the flashback of Ray? Blowing my mind, my okay. friend. Okay. Well, here's the thing. I completely agree. She's going to be Luke's daughter. Luke doesn't know he has a daughter. Ooh, you went a different angle than I did. Yeah. that My wife is the one that mentioned this, and then I was like, that fits with what I have been thinking about hold on, Han Solo. Hold on to that thought. So one thing I do, you know, I did pick up on too, and I, I know it was actually something that um, we talked with the How Star Wars Conquered the Galaxy. I think we actually talked about that, about that in episode one, where George Lucas was actually uh, chastised a little bit for bearing the lead with his main character, where you didn't even see Luke Skywalker make his first appearance on the Lars Homestead about the, four, was it about the 14 or 15 minute mark of A New Hope? You don't see Rey show up in The Force Awakens still about, I think it's like the nine and a half, ten minute mark, give or take. Mm-hmm. Um, so, that, I mean, you know, one thing that J.J. J.J. Abrams, excuse me, love him or hate him, you know, he's got a certain style of making a movie. And, you know, we, I don't necessarily consider myself a Star Trek fan now like I was kind of like growing up but I mean he got lambasted for his what is his John Harrison isn't con thing yeah and and I think you kind of see some parallels in in this movie to that where you know he, he kind of does a rope dope on us a little bit where you're kind of thinking all along up to a certain point like yeah maybe she's a solo and then some other stuff happens but anyway, so I just thought it was interesting. You don't even see her until, you know, about the 10 minute mark, which kind of had, there's so many parallels to, to Luke. It's not even funny. I mean, you go from the speeder, you know, one other thing too, that was, I thought was pretty interesting too, was, you know, and even JJ Abrams gave some credence to it saying, you know, the, like the tops cards that came out, both, oh, yeah. both of them happen to be number 74, both pictured in their speeders. Ray speeder is freaking awesome. Yeah, it is. Way. It really just, is. I'm, uh, I've got a couple of them behind me here in, in different size and scales, but uh, yeah, just a huge fan of that. But And I mean, you're right, though. There are so many parallels between Luke and uh, Ray, and you didn't even mention the most glaringly obvious one, which is Jakku. Um, yeah. I mean, Desert Planet, and um, it kind of, you mentioned getting your mind blown, and when my wife started saying this, it just kind of opened up this storyline to me of how ironic would it be that... Luke is involved with somebody and he doesn't even know that she gets pregnant. But because of some type of storyline we're not fully aware of yet, could be a lot of things, um, she decides that she is going to keep this child secret Mm -hmm. from Luke. And at some point, you know, she has to give up this child to keep them safe. And that's where Han Solo and Leia who know that this child exists, mm-hmm. um, become involved to help keep her safe. Something happens to the mother. I kind of wonder if the mother is actually still alive. I don't think so. My theory is that I think 
I think the I think Ray's mom is going to have to play some importance. I don't think that it's going to be just anybody. And, and I do kind of agree with you that I I think I think Luke is going to cast aside that aspect of the old Jedi Order where you know love is forbidden and all that other stuff. I think it's completely possible that you know he either ends up married or I think just knowing who he is, I think he does find somebody. But I don't think, I agree with you, I don't think that they're still around. And I think we've talked about, I don't know if it was in episode one or episode two, probably episode one, where just the amount of pain that he is in right now mm-hmm. is immense. And, you know, you, you kind of see the look on his face at the end of The Force Awakens and the proverbial cliffhanger there. I think he's coming to grips with everything. And I like to your point, I kind of also agree that he's, probably not aware of her because if he was i don't think he would have been as reclusive as he's been no i i agree with that and i really don't think if he had any say on it that he would have wanted a a daughter of his stranded on a desert planet he's kind of been there and done that (laughs) and uh wouldn't want somebody else to repeat it is it kind of like uh um donnie yen's character i'm drawing a blank right now a uh, Jared Emway, you know, and then <laughs> Rogue One, and where he's blind, and he's like, "Come on, man!" <laughs> you know, putting, the, putting the thing over his head. I'm blind. I'm blind. Uh, but I mean, I, I just find the whole idea fascinating that a child would actually be hidden from Luke. Maybe even because the mother decides that, you know, him being the son of Darth Vader is an intimidating fact mm-hmm. in and of itself worried about him falling to the dark side there's theories out there about whether luke was on the path to the dark side beginning in return of the jedi right i yeah. mean it, there there are and some of the, the the versions of the force you know the force choke and kind of things like that that he uses in jabba's palace the dressing all in black um those are kind of the more basic things that are out there um but it just kind of what it all kind of lends to though in in my mind is i never go down the path of um, Ray being a, a granddaughter of Kenobi. Um, well, here's or- the thing, and I, I wish I would have written down who wrote the article, but here's the thing, you know, if if you think if you think Ray is a Kenobi, you know, great. I, I think there's plenty of stuff out there that you can make a case that, you know, it could be quite possibly happen, just more so than even what, what Jim and I are talking about here. But here's the thing. Obi-Wan would have to have a secret wife on Tatooine or prior to the events of Revenge of the Sith. That secret wife would have to have a child and then Rey's other parent would have to come involved. So you're talking three people that they'd have to explain how they came in to be in the Star Wars universe for this to happen. Hmm. And to be honest, I think I think the thing deep down is if she ends up being a Kenobi, I whatever she ends up being, I will be completely on board with it because I think whoever her character is and what we learned about her in The Force Awakens is going to be what it is. I mean, we're we're kind of focusing on what her lineage may be, but I don't know. It's just well, you know, it, you you raise a point here that I've been thinking about, uh, you know, indirectly you you've risen it. Um and it's kind of how this story is told and it unfolds to the movie going audience. And I think sometimes we need to keep in mind that a lot of the people sitting in the theater that are watching this movie are not, they're not super uh, fans. like No, us. no, they're not even a quarter of, they don't spend even a quarter of their time, you know, of our time that we spend on this. Um, looking at Star Wars stuff and reading theories and uh, just kind of consuming all of the uh, expanded uh, mediums there are uh, to get our Star Wars fix, which we've talked about on every episode so far. And I've seen people joking about, uh, I think at one point, were you thinking maybe that um, Snoke was Ezra? Um, And there was some joking going on about that. And, you know, and while that's maybe there's reasons that it's uh, feasible there's re- DJ I think DJ is is Ezra that's my theory oh okay Benicio del Toro okay um but it, it, there's you know there's different theories out there about that in in Snoke I, I swear I saw I'm sure somebody said Snoke is I, as well. I think that may have been James. yeah yeah and um but the idea of that is I kind of wonder okay if we're sitting in a theater and it's revealed that Snoke is Ezra 
How many people in that audience are going to go like, ooh, you know, how many of the people in that theater watched that cartoon? And you got to kind of look at the distribution of that movie to the larger audience and the ones that are just casual, the ones that just go see a movie and, you know, Star Wars happens to be out. Um, Sure, there's going to be tips of the cap to the super fans. Mm -hmm. There's Chopper going by in Rogue One, right? Um, and, And things like that. But I just think a major plot point isn't necessarily going to be a big reveal of something that was uh, thoroughly explored in something outside of the movies, if you know where I'm going with that. Yep. Um, and, and, you know, that's just kind of why I feel it's almost like going the path of least resistance is where usually these types of things end up. And that's like you were just explaining in my roundabout way of getting back to what you were saying is all of the things that they'd have to tell in a story to get us to the point of this is Obi-Wan's granddaughter. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't feel like they're going to be They would have to wedge <laughs> that in to uh, the story, I think, and, and almost make it feel. I mean, I know that it would still be a decent reveal and they don't have to tell us exactly how she's Obi-Wan's granddaughter. It could be explained away really quickly. But again, this is just how we feel, right? Yeah. Um, it just think, doesn't feel right. And I think another thing, too, is uh, kind of in the, the been there, done that with, you know, there's some theories going along about another virgin force birth. With a reincarnation. God, I hope not. Uh, I know you. That's what I... I'm not even going to give it a lot of thought. I just... I feel like... I don't know what... That would be hard to rehash that. I think they, they could explain it away, but it's not... It's not compelling. As a story... You know, as if I was... You know, and I'm certainly not that creative, but if I was going to, you know, tell a story, I'm not sure that I would go for that that trope again that, mm. that we've kind of already seen. Yep. Now the other thing too, and and I think you know I ran a Twitter poll. I think I got like maybe twenty six people to respond, but that the most popular response uh, by one or two percentage points was actually kind of right random, and that she isn't anybody that we've kind of learned before. But I think I think that's important because it kind of goes along the same lines where kind of anybody can be a hero, and, and I think that would tell a good story. And, and I think a lot of people think back to, I, I think this is, okay, I'm going to say something good about the prequels, and I think you might agree with me. The prequels gave us different perspective of Luke Skywalker knowing his lineage rather than going into the theaters in May 1977 and seeing that, you know, this farm boy basically can become, you know, he can destroy a Death Star, he can become a Jedi Knight like his father before him. But he's the chosen one. You have that perspective now, and yes, he was nobody at the time. But when you know what you know about him coming into that afterwards, I feel like you kind of need that with Ray as well because it it gives credence to a lot of the things that she was able to accomplish in the Force Awakens, and they don't have to explain away like. How do you happen to be one of the most powerful <laughs> Force users, and you don't even know how right. to use the Force? Yeah. If you're an offspring of direct offspring of the of the chosen one, and one of the things that, as I was going through the last couple of days, where kind of collecting my thoughts about this, and it just it hit me, and it was probably where I started, and I ended up finishing a lot of my thoughts on this was <clears throat> we kind of talked about the Skywalker lightsaber, the fact that the lightsaber called to her in Maz's castle. But bypasses Kylo to Rey. I mean, how more, uh, you know, not poetic isn't the word I'm looking for, but uh, help me on here. Symbolism. Symbolism basically bypassing somebody that doesn't have the direct lineage. Mm-hmm. I mean, in a way they do. I mean, Leia, I'd, but I would I, love to see them expand a little bit more on Leia's force ability or lack of force ability. Has she chosen never to go that? I, there's so many right. different things they could have yep. gone where, and it's just so disappointing that we well, that we lost Carrie Fisher at an early age. You're, you're going in this direction, too, which is um, uh, one of the points that I wanted to make about just the Skywalkers in general. Um, we've had 
the original movies, which were Luke Skywalker and Anakin Skywalker. We've had the prequels, which just revolved around Anakin Skywalker. Um, if we lose Luke and Rey is not a Skywalker, we lose the Skywalkers. And I know, like you're saying, Kylo Ren has Skywalker lineage, but he's a solo. And I know it sounds silly, but I want that name. I want a Skywalker in these movies. But even if they don't go to that, if they don't make Rey a Skywalker, you're almost dooming that family name to always be drawn to the dark. Hmm. Like, is it compelling? I, I don't know. It, it 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 adds so many different other story elements if she is. I, I Even though I'm pretty certain that this is, I still can be persuaded to go, like, you know, in, in a different direction, but... Yeah, I don't know if I am <clears throat> just ever hopeful to the point where I just believe it um, or if that's just you know I, I really think that's where the movie's going to end up I think it's a little bit of both I, I pr- would prefer her to be a Skywalker overall um, will I be disappointed if she's not yeah but I don't think I'll be majorly disappointed if they tell a story you know anything um, over being a, another virgin birth I'm gonna be happy with you know I mean I, I think as long as it's well told and it makes sense um, you know there one thing that I did think was interesting while I was driving over here and thinking of the parallels between Luke and if Han was actually there to watch over Ray and Jakku is in A New Hope Ben Kenobi is watching over uh, Luke mm-hmm. and he dies or leaves this world, depending on how you want to put it, uh, at the hands of Darth Vader on the Death Star. And how does Han Solo die? On Starkiller Base at the hands of somebody who really, really wants to be Darth Vader. Number so, one Darth Vader fan. Yeah. So, you I know. Mean, yeah, there's, you know, the additional peril. I think we talked about it in, you know, episode, our episode, our first episode, kind of, you love it or hate it. I think there's still quite a lot of fans in the in the Star Wars community that, you know, could take it or leave it with the Force Awakens just because they feel like it was so much of a uh, of a rehash of, of a New Hope. I still, even just watching it recently, I mean, yes, there's certain elements, but it is certainly it's an entirely different story. I mean, yes, they do. I think a lot of the symbolism and stuff they they do is to remind you, like, hey, this character we're trying to tell you a heck of a lot about with Rey is she's pretty important. Mm-hmm. No, and I, it goes back to what I was saying about laying the groundwork. Um, I, I think we haven't they, even mentioned like. Lor Santeca, yeah, Anjaku, Church of the Force. The guy's got a map to Luke Skywalker. Yeah, I love. Uh, I wish we didn't lose him because I feel like there was more to learn about that, and maybe we need like a, a pre-story to that or a novel. Well, the or way a comic. things are going, he's going to get a comic book because I think just about every yeah. single character is going to get a comic book. The way the rate they're going right now. I mean now. that. Okay, and here's the other thing too. Uh, we haven't talked about this was. J.J. Abrams did a really poor job explaining the plot point with R2-D2. Yeah. So, and here's the thing, and I think he, the way that he, to me when he first explained it, like, initially I thought, like, well, he turned back on because, you know, the the presence of, of Ray was there. And either he was programmed to activate when... She made an appearance or because of, you know, I, I don't know that he would be able to pick up on the lineage. I think he was basically programmed like when he, you know, he's on low power mode. He's not like completely turned off. And when the sensors and we know from the Empire Strikes Back that his sensor range is pretty considerable. <laughs> um, so I don't know. Well, and then uh, kind of going back to what I was saying, if there was a, a mother involved that had to kind of abandon Ray, which obviously somebody did at some point. Can you point. imagine if it's Mara Jade? Yeah, oh god. I'd love that. I loved the Mara Jade character. There was so there's still 30 years of stuff that Luke Skywalker did that we don't know about. And I think and I I I try to do this all the time and in, in our own uh Scott Inch did a really good job of kind of putting together kind of like the canon timeline uh that we've got up on on brickcityblockade.com, but you're able to kind of piece it together a little bit but I mean there's still so many gaping holes that we don't know I know for one and we're kind of getting all over the place here but I'm really excited about I think it's Halloween or pretty close to that there's going to be a new 
uh, canon book coming out uh, surrounding Luke Skywalker, and it's going to be like you know the myths and legends, and it's going to be interesting. I hope it's like a different perspective storytelling of people like what they've heard about him, but it won't actually be like factual. Kind of like Ray saying on the on yeah, the Falcon. You know, I myth. thought he was just a myth. Yeah, yeah. And I think there was also some. I I I'm like very convinced about Michelle's theory, your wife, about this, you know, the Jakku thing, because they actually make certain, and now I'm remembering things from the novelization of the movie where they made, I don't know if it would have been Unkar or something. Basically, she has brought up and in, in hearing stories about Luke Skywalker, has an awareness of him, and it made a point almost in the novelization that somebody that was telling her that was almost they almost had a point of doing it. It wasn't just like, oh, no, by the way, you know, Luke Skywalker. Da, to, da, 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 da. I'm gonna go back and look at that. Then I don't remember that part. I mean, I, there were things in the novelization that they left out of the movies. Yeah, and it's. I mean, um, it's in one of my favorite parts, which just kind of makes me wonder why they didn't put it in the movie, is um, during the lightsaber battle. I believe it was with uh, Kylo Ren and Rey. He makes a comment of, "It is you." Um, I don't know if you caught that yeah. in the book. He makes that comment. And again, it's somebody who is known to be out there or at least a, a rumor to be out there. And I I do think I, I, you know, I participated in your poll and I put in my vote for Luke Skywalker. And um, but I think when it comes down to it, if they have her be a Kenobi I think I can get used to that, but I think it's between Kenobi and a Skywalker, and I, I personally really hope it's a Skywalker. Um, and it's just, again, you're talking about myths and legends and, and her being who she is, that a person such as her even exists out there is apparently a myth, potentially, to people such as Kylo Ren. He has heard that maybe there's another Skywalker out there. And this has proved it to him. Again, I believe that takes place after she gets the lightsaber uh, in that scene that you were talking about where it bypasses him and goes to her, which I think is a great point. Um, So it's just all signs point there. You did mention how they like to kind of rope-a-dope us on some things. But I think think going back to the point I guess I was trying to make earlier too is I think J.J. Abrams set out with this movie to make everybody think that she was a solo. And and I think that the... You know, to your point, too, on the different levels of, of fandom, and we talk about all the time, too, like there's so much out there in terms of, you know, the, the novels, the the comic books and et cetera. And you basically you're no less of a fan depending on what you're able to do, whether it's just, you know, you do the movies and the novels, you just do the movies, you know, you're able to afford the comic books because, oh, my God, even like they that are new Darth, expensive. That new Darth Vader yeah. one came out. And it was like four or five bucks. I listened to Robin and Sean's podcast about uh, the new Darth Vader. Sean didn't like it. it, it I, I, I could see where he was going, though. Yeah. I, I liked it, but I, it's not like I was sitting there going, oh, I can't wait to yeah. spend yet more money on that. Yeah, that was um, and I just the force crystal thing and it bleeding and. There's some know. of that in the Ahsoka novel, though. Yeah. So that wasn't the first time that they've gone that way. That's interesting. But it, I think for a lot of people that didn't read the Ahsoka novel, that being their first, like, you know, WTF, it's like, yeah. what are you talking about? So, you know, I don't know. So there's so much stuff out there. So I think there's a bunch of stories or even aspects, even if we do know that, hey, this is, you know, it is Ray Skywalker bunch of questions left to be unanswered why was she abandoned we talked about a little bit and i Mm -hmm. i love uh your wife's theory about that who's the mother and i think that could be some of the shock factor that that we end up seeing i mean i threw it out there maybe it is mara jade maybe it's not uh probably likely not but how cool would it be if her mom was also a force user and you we talked about it before where luke skywalker could be potentially the most powerful force user in the entire galaxy and he has offspring and maybe you know maybe her odds are even better if her mom was a you know a force user as well yeah yeah I would. i'm trying to specifically even say to not focusing that her mom needed to be a jedi but her mom could be a force user and I, and there's so much in the in the new canon and stuff that they're really focusing on force users rather than focusing in it has to be the you know, the dealing with absolutes like the Sith do where you have to be a Jedi or a Sith and you know, Or even just force sensitive. Force sensitive too. Yeah. You know, like Jared Mway. Mm-hmm. So the other part too is 
that and I just talked about a couple minutes ago with that what happened to Luke we were able to bits and pieces and whether it's the bloodline novel or um you know things that Han Solo mentioned in the Force Awakens and you can kind of make a mental timeline and there's a couple different resources on the internet's that uh have done a pretty good job of uh pinpointing certain dates and stuff like that and actually one of them I want to say it was I want to say it was the Star Wars post actually had like they almost did like a graphic with uh, Ray and BB-8 on but it was almost kind of like the Ray timeline and said okay well if her parents are this and it, it threw on Luke like Luke's age on there and basically the timeline it, it kind of made sense like he would have been like if he is her father he would have uh, had her in probably early 30s to mid 30s and we know he's basically what 20 he's about 22 at the end of return of the jedi so basically it's 10 or 15 years after that right there's a lot of stuff that can happen in that yeah time. and well and actually that kind of i don't think we've talked about the young han solo movie um that's going to be coming out next year uh but it's funny this conversation and thinking about having this conversation and what you're exactly bringing up right now where how much time there is of a story that that should be told i don't want that story to be told i I come to realize this and it was tough to kind of come to grips with in a way um i don't want that story to be told through a book or a graphic novel or anything like that i i wanted some young luke skywalker movies I really do. And I, I never thought that I would want that, but I really like that character. And that character is Mark Hamill. Absolutely. Um, but at the same time, I I would love if it was well done, I'd love to see more of what happened to Luke Skywalker and how he got to where he is. Um, not necessarily why he's isolated. I think we'll see flashbacks Mm -hmm. of what happened at his academy. Um, But just more about what happens to him along the way. I I would love it. I mean, he's my favorite character of the series. He's why I watched these movies. And uh, to be able to get... I don't want to see him right off into the sunset one way or another uh, in the new trilogy and then have it be the end of that character. I... Han Solo, it's kind of funny. I mean, I can take it or leave it. Um, I'm not particularly up in arms or uh, really I think looking we'll be fully, forward to we'll, it. We'll be fully on board with it next yeah, May. Yeah, but I mean, I'm not like, you know, yeah. I'm not overly know excited about it. Uh, I, I'm probably coming along to the same the same thinking, too. There's, there's a lot of story to be told there. And yeah, I honestly think I would be okay with somebody else playing him. I, I think there's enough talented actors out there that I think there's somebody that could. And um, who's the guy that played uh, Winter Soldier in the uh, Marvel movies? Oh, I know who you're talking because he's all over the internet as being just looks just like a young he's Mark a spitting Hamill. image of him. Yeah, and, and he's you know he's actually a good actor. Actually, my wife and I just watched uh, Civil War the other night. So mm-hmm. yeah, no, and and he's a good example of you know. I mean, he would be right at that same age. I mean, basically, you're you're talking, you know, they maybe advance the story a little bit, but I mean, you know, that that early '30s Luke Skywalker. That yeah. um, and it's it's just funny because it's the of the anthology movies that they've talked about. Rogue One, completely different characters, side story, uh, leading into A New Hope. Um, and then they pick Han Solo. And I think if you uh, did a poll of the fan base, I think you would have ended up with um, either a bounty hunter movie. Everybody wants to see Boba Fett and all these other bounty hunters involved in a movie, I think. Or Kenobi. And I think the reason they haven't done a Kenobi or a Luke Skywalker movie is, or at least even announced it, is because we're being left out to not know where Ray came from. Yeah, I think that's a good point too. I'd be okay if they don't do a Kenobi movie. I honestly got enough Kenobi from, and I know you you talked about it before, I did get you to finally start watching Star Wars Rebels and you're now at the beginning of season two. So yes, I can't yeah. wait to get oh, current. I so it. I can start yeah. talking to you about it. I'll have to do a bunch of uh, these episodes on that. But what they gave us for, and I, not, I don't think we've spoiled it for you because I've talked about it in a prior episode. But what they gave, what they gave me for Obi Wan Kenobi at the end of uh, season three of, of Rebels, 
it was enough for me. It it just it made me have more of an appreciation of, of where he is, what he's all about, protecting Luke, like we just talked about, potentially Han, protecting Ray. Oh man, I love that theory. It's awesome. <laughs> Robin, if you're listening, and I know you are, you need to write an article about that. <laughs> yeah. uh, I hopefully have atoned for my major original trilogy gaffes today by bringing a good theory to the table. <sighs> and my wife just coming up with the whole, you know, Ray, uh, Luke doesn't know about Ray. Just all made it fall into place because I've always wondered about Han watching over Ray because of you know the Falcon being there and I, I will say though too uh, my 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 I don't really I don't really want to call it a backup theory my backup theory is that if she is not neither a, a Skywalker or Kenobi or a Solo or Organa or whatever if she does end up not having that lineage and maybe there's a story to tell of why the lightsaber uh, calls to her. I think she ends up adopting the Skywalker name. I think there's a possibility mm-hmm. of that too, because if she really doesn't know where she came from and is looking for that that family, and, and Luke can be that father that she never had, you know, there's a possibility that she could just adopt the name and carry the, the you know that name going. Yeah, forward. just carries it in honor. Basically, yeah, basically. Of him. Yeah, yeah. So. and I, I can see that. Though, I mean, there's so much we could have talked about tonight, Jim. I know we're kind of running short on time, and and I think even you take about some of the comments that Mark Hamill and Daisy Ridley have said about some of the early press junket stuff for the Last Jedi, and how you know Ray's made a comment saying like the training that they go through isn't like what Luke had with. Obi-Wan and, and Yoda and it's she's he's not what she expected but isn't that a more interesting dynamic to have to go through that training and it's a daughter you didn't even know and dealing with those emotional things that need to be dealt with and trying to become a Jedi Knight and I think we've even seen it in the original trilogy where just because you would think oh you're you're so strong in the force that you would know uh, if you were anywhere near one of your offspring but obviously that's not the case because Darth Vader's right next to mm-hmm. Princess Leia at the very beginning of A New Hope and he doesn't have any clue that that's his daughter and also he's flying behind Luke almost shoots him out of the trench uh, at the end of A New Hope and has no idea that's his son you you would think you know that and I think even during the training I, I kind of wonder if this is the case when does Luke find out because I don't even think he knows if he's going through we training. We really want Ray to ask that question. She might not. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Ah, yeah, it's interesting, so isn't it? Stuff. So, yeah. I mean, that's why we that's why we talk about this stuff. And that's why we record these conversations, Jim, that we probably would be having anyways. But, uh, you know, we hope that, you know, if you've stuck Mara around. Mara Jade this- never told you what happened to your daughter, Luke. <laughs> I am your daughter. <laughs> Wouldn't that be the... Yeah, that would be a pretty good homage go. to that line yeah. with a different twist on it. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, no, good stuff. And, um, yeah, we could just keep talking and talking and talking. But I know myself, I, I find it difficult to listen to a podcast longer than an hour. And we've just passed that a little bit ago. So thank wow. you so much. That for st- quick. Yeah, I know. Jeez. Thank you so much, everybody, for, for sticking around. And, uh, Jim, there's one little thing that we like to do on the podcast network. Uh, plug time. So... Yes. I did get you to get on social media finally, on Twitter. I, I just go there to, just go to, to take my lumps over my prequel hate. Um, but at Red5Jim, uh, I'd love to hear what other people think about their Ray theory. Somebody give us some great feedback on Facebook, on our Facebook page after oh, our last uh, one. D- yeah, Dave Hackerson, one of, uh, yeah. he's a great Star Wars fan and is actually uh, across the world in, in Japan. And I love... Uh, Dave, uh, hopefully you're listening here, but I love hearing your insight. And yeah, I don't think, be a stranger. That was um, great. I, uh, I like yeah, reading. We def- thank you so much for that. And just uh, you know, sh- you know, I'd love to hear you know, like you said, Jim, hear other uh, hear other theories. And and I think that's what makes being a Star Wars fan great is not being the first to say something or the thing that you know everybody and you know every single uh, chapter of every canon novel and all the legends and all that other stuff. I think it it enriches the experience like we've talked about, but it doesn't make anybody any less of a fan if you don't have you know all that knowledge and even you and I we have different levels of experience with what we've already gone through with some of the new stuff and Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's just what makes it fun because then you come at conversations kind of with a different angle too and a different perspective ah yeah and you didn't give your uh, Twitter oh yeah yeah so So, uh, uh, Jedi Scavenger SW 
And uh, go make sure you head over to BrickCityBlockade.com. Head over to Facebook, like the page there. Subscribe to the podcast network on iTunes, SoundCloud. There's a couple other things out there. Whatever your podcast app of choice is, I'm sure you'll be able to find the RSS feed. And uh, hopefully enjoy the other shows that we've got on the podcast network. We've got a great crew, and uh, it's uh, it's really fun doing this as a, as a team rather than just uh, trying to do this on our own because you know we've all got jobs and lives and families and it's just I've said it a couple times in the last couple minutes it's it's just so fun to uh to talk and speculate about Star Wars so yeah this was fun so thank you again uh and uh I guess and as we always say on the podcast network may the force be with you always Falcon!